1: Or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
2: Erin Addisons.
1: On American Family Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC. She'll get our guest on in the next segment. uh, Reverend Dean Nelson, who is the executive director of Human Coalition Action, will join us to talk a little bit about the political landscape and what is going on in the culture, the response of the church, um, whether or not might well one of my specific questions is, you know, what might it look like for America to fall into the hands of Democrat leadership in the mm. midst of everything that's going on in this country?
2: <laughs> yeah, <Yikes. laughs> I, mean, I, I, I,
1: I mean, you know, yeah. people who love division in a position of leadership just deepening the divide in this country i mean just and, to say the least you and know And look
2: at what's happening around our country in yes. mainly democratic run <laughs> cities e, and states yikes and look at look 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 what's happening i mean yikes anyway. and so
1: imagine that um <laughs> all across the country yeah so to speak uh anyways uh, so we'll, we'll have a sobering conversation about that um and and it's always great to catch up with Reverend Dean Nelson and get his take on what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking about what's happening in the political landscape, but then also as a minister of the gospel, what is happening spiritually and how the church yeah. can um, make sure that we are standing uh, in defense of truth. No matter what the culture does, we're always standing in defense of truth. So mm-hmm. that's coming up in just a little bit, but I wanted to do something that people may be accustomed to that we do um, when we feel like we've kind of, you know, scratched a little bit of the surface and then, you know, we run out of time. But there's a good enough discussion that was started. We just didn't finish it. It's it's sometimes worth toggling back to, right? Mm-hmm. And so we got a call from our brother, Jason, who listens in Arkansas. And he was the last caller of yesterday's show. And so we didn't have a whole lot of time to respond. I had a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. But his question was, uh, communicate, I feel like, with such respect and humility. And I, I feel like with the right... Um, sobriety about the weight of the word of God and how we apply the word of God as it is, right? Like we don't seek to change it or um, alter it to meet our needs. And his question was about um, the apostle Paul's prohibition of women mm-hmm. having positions of leadership in the church, like usurping authority over a man. Mm-hmm. And I believe that where he was coming from was the question about what I'm doing here on this program and using the word of God to apply it to what is happening in cultural situations. Mm-hmm. And I started off by saying, and which is, I think like the first thing to, to acknowledge is that the apostle Paul is talking about church structure, right? Yeah. He's talking about what the Lord has clearly laid out all throughout scripture. We see that the Lord has laid out parameters for the church, those who operate in specific offices, what those requirements are. But I want to make sure, and this was something that I kind of was mulling over and thinking about. And um I, I try not to have these conversations often because, frankly, they feel self-serving, mm. but they're but they're worthwhile questions. Like even if yeah. I were not in this type of position right. doing this. Right. These are the kinds of conversations I would have with women in discipleship relationships. Right. right. That God uses women in ministry, like <laughs> just because there are certain offices that the Bible expressly says are are uh, reserved for men, mm-hmm. it does not mean that the Lord does not use women in ministry. And so, anyway, um, I hesitate to have the conversation often because it just seems self-serving. But since the question was yeah, asked, and it, and it, I think it, it it's was serve to bring
2: clarity, you know, I think having a conversation from time to time is good because those yes. are. Legit, legitimate questions. And I would uh, assume that if our brother had that question to have other listeners who think the same thing or yes. have the same question.
1: I agree with you. And so here's one of the first things that I want to say. One of the first things that I think we need to acknowledge is that when we look at the scriptures, we see that the Lord used women,
2: Yeah.
1: right? We see that the, the Lord used women to advance the gospel. And then as a student, as I am of church history, you see that the Lord used wiz, uh, used women Uh, In the wisdom that he gave them to continue advancing the gospel, right? That it wasn't just through men that the gospel (laughs) spread. And so what I think is so important is for us to understand that our cultural Mm -hmm. norms do not get to shape the word. But really, the word is supposed to shape our cultural norms, right? And so the way we see women and the way we value women is supposed to be derived from Scripture. It's not even supposed to be just a response to culture, Right. Like mm-hmm. the way we see women is not supposed to be a response to culture. What does the Bible teach us? Well, the Bible teaches us that women are to be in full submission to their husbands. That is not a blanket statement that all women everywhere must submit to men.
0: Mm.
1: Now, we often miss that. We think we, mm-hmm. we're like, I don't want to talk to a woman. Right. Because and, and so let me tell you what the the gospel actually changes the value and the status of women in culture. This is what the gospel has always done. It's changed the way people see people, Hmm. all right? Because you see throughout the New Testament that the Lord is using women. The call for order and the call for uh, submission, the order of submission has a context that it's in. You also see that women own businesses in the scriptures and they are commended for that. So we have to understand That the scriptures predate our cultural experiences, if you will, Mm -hmm. like at least for us in America. Okay, let's let's just put it that way. So when we are looking at the value of women and the way women are used, we are not going to take our cues from American culture. Right. So which means that this idea, man, guys, and I know (laughs) this is going to be so hard. But this idea of my husband goes off and makes the bacon. And then he brings it home and I cook it. And that's that's what God has (laughs) called women to do. Um, That is an American construct. You don't see that in Scripture at all. You see women taking care of their families, honoring their husbands, submitting to their husbands. But you also see them working with their husbands in the advancement of the gospel, the spread of the gospel. Right. That is ministry. That is ministry. Now, there are times that the Lord calls women to an additional ministry, but that is a that is a specific call. That is a unique call that that is one that, you know, man, some in some instances, it may require greater prayer to discern that that is what the Lord is really calling you to. Right. But the default, I say, and I say this jokingly, everything we do with prayer, but I say this jokingly, the default, the things you don't have to pray about. Right. Like if you're married. Your ministry is to your husband. The Bible lays that out. Like you don't need a right. Lord. This is my ministry <laughs> to my husband? No, He lays that out for you. You got he, He's already told you that, right? Your ministry is to your children. But the Lord does not despise women. Women are not to be, <clears throat> excuse me, treated like um, they only have a certain value. Mm-hmm. Now they have a certain function, and the Bible lays out how they are to function in certain structures, right? But that does not diminish their value at all. Like, man, listen. Well, okay. let me say this. Let me say this. So when you look at the use of women in Scripture, like I I look at Acts chapter 17, where the Apostle Paul encounters Lydia. And here you have Lydia, this wealthy woman who um, is from Thyatira, right, where she Mm -hmm. is, is a seller of purple. And so she has an incredible amount of wealth. The Lord opens her heart to receive the gospel. And here you have something. And guys, remember, the Bible does not just give you extra details just for giving you extra details so that you can read a lot. Right. Like all (laughs) of these things are very important. So the Bible actually lays out that Lydia, who is a seller of purple goods. Right. She's a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what the Apostle Paul is saying. So she comes to the knowledge of Christ. Okay. And then the Bible says that she and her whole household, right, are baptized. So they all come to faith. Then the Bible specifically says, and this is verse 15 of chapter 16 of Acts, after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And the Bible says she prevailed upon us. So here you see a woman operating with a certain amount of authority, right? She has a business where she sells purple. There's no side note. There's no parenthetical citation that says, and Paul condemned it. (laughs) No, the Bible says that she prevailed upon them and they actually took her up on that offer so that they would have a place to stay. And then you also see that as the apostle Paul and his co-laborers are leaving Philippi, Um, They actually make one more stop to visit Lydia. They name her specifically, right, Um, for the ministry that she has extended to them. And these ministries look different. If you look at Acts chapter 18, um, Priscilla and Aquila, Mm -hmm. who operate together in ministry, right? It is, you know, and again, not that we need to, and I take credit for that, right? But if you look at what Apollos did when Apollos wanted to go to Corinth, which was a horrible place to be, right? But Apollos wanted to go to Corinth. Praise God for Priscilla and Aquila who hear Apollos teaching. Mm-hmm. And they realize that, man, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't actually have the full knowledge of the Lord. So it is both Priscilla and Aquila, right. husband and wife couple, who pull Apollos aside and show him the more excellent way. They actually fill in the gaps for him, okay? Okay. This is not condemned. It is from this point that then Apollos is commended to the brothers in Corinth Mm -hmm. where he gets to go and finish this ministry. Mm -hmm. Right. So the Lord is not condemning women in ministry, but the Lord has put parameters in place. And let me tell you, they're not burdensome. Yeah, They're not. It's not like, well, why can't I do this? Like it is the Lord's protection of women that there are certain things that women do not do. And that women come in full submission under the full covering of their husbands, I want to tell you, if a woman is, you know, in a position where she feels like her husband has to make her submit, then she doesn't understand what submission is. Mm -hmm. Right. Like if a husband is in a place where he feels like he has to strong arm his wife into submission, then also he doesn't understand what submission is. Right. (laughs) Right? Right. Like this. This is of our own volition that we say, yeah, man, I'm I submit myself to your leadership. That is a choice. And this is glorifying to God. Additionally, if you look at Romans chapter 16, Mm -hmm. man, the end of Paul's letter to the Romans. Paul has like this. (laughs) It was filled with women. And he's commending this women. um, He's he's commending these women for their ministry and for what it is that they have done. So at the end of Romans chapter 16, I'll go quickly here because I know we're, we're coming to the end of this segment. But Paul has this long list of, like, 28 Roman Christians that are mentioned, right? Nine of the 28 Roman Christians that are mentioned are women. Nine of them are women, okay? Now, the amazing thing about that, or what is additionally remarkable, is that Paul describes them as commending them for their ministries, okay? Mm -hmm. They are in ministry like this doesn't make the apostle paul uncomfortable like (laughs) there's no contradiction where he can say i do not permit a woman to teach or to usurp authority over a man he's talking about the church structure what should happen when the church comes together but at the same time in romans chapter 16 if you go up a little bit earlier because that's near the end of chapter 16 at the same time in romans chapter 16 verses Mm -hmm. 1 and Mm 2 you see him commending phoebe yep right phoebe is coming from centria And she is a servant of the church. And the Apostle Paul says a servant of the church and of myself as well. And he's like, she's coming to you. Receive her. Please give her everything she needs to do what she's doing. So what is she doing that makes her stand out? Because if it's, well, you know, I mean, she's baking bread. And no, not. Please understand what I'm saying. But I want us to make sure that we have the right perspective. (laughs) If she's baking bread, then he might, you know, need to list a lot of other people In his, like, commend everybody. (laughs) There is obviously something different that these women are doing. When you look at Romans chapter 16, Prisca, Junia, Mary, Tryphena, Tryphosa, Persis, right? There is something different that they are doing, and the Apostle Paul calls it ministry. So when I say that we look at what is happening in the culture and filter that through a biblical worldview, we will not do that by just guessing at what we think the Bible says. Mm-hmm. We will actually go to it. Remember, you do not want weak-willed women in the church. That's These right. are the ones That's that are right. overrun and overtaken.
2: Amen. Yeah.
1: And fall into sin and depravity. That's not how God sees women. Oh, I don't know. Let me let me ask my husband. I can't know if this... No, we are to read the Word too. We are to give a defense for the faith too. The Bible offers parameters for how that operates in the church. We'll grab the break, and we'll be right back. Life is so This just since we're all getting comfortable and we're friends now and talking, you know, just <laughs> right. Um, I take it very seriously that Will the Great chose me to be the mother of his children. So I believe that part of the reason that Will the Great chose me to marry me and, and to be the mother of his children. Right. Is to make sure that the gospel proliferates in our family. So I'm serious about that. Like, that is that is not something that I'm like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you know, it's not just the goosebumps. Right. Right, Like it is. Yes, there is. There is that. Right. But it is also I I take it as a high compliment. Like we were talking the other day and I was telling you about something I was anxious about. And uh, you were like, oh, man, you know, I I think so highly of you. I I wouldn't even think that that would be something that would make you anxious, you know. And I'm like, man, that's that's a compliment.
0: But at the same time, it's like, well, no,
1: no, that makes me anxious, you know? And so I, I, I believe that there are certain people that are carved out to do different things, right? right, right. Um, my introduction, and this is just like, hey, friends, we're shaking hands here. My introduction um, to radio was at Will's direction. <laughs> it wasn't something I wanted to do. I was like, what? You know, <laughs> but it was Will the Great who said, Miki, I think that um, God has gifted you in the area of communication in this way. I think this is something that you need to explore. And, and the rest, as they say, is history. And that mm. was 13 years ago. And so when we worked together like this and we started working together in radio about six and a half, almost seven years ago. Yeah. But before that, I just did radio by myself. Right. Um, and no one made assumptions about like my husband when they just heard me. I think it's because we're <laughs> here and it's this dynamic. Yeah. You know what I mean? That they're yeah. like, and let me say something, too. I don't think anyone would be uncomfortable if all I did was talk about politics Mm, you would you would you, would you would totally be fine with that. Uh, but like because we're talking about the spiritual implications of what's happening in the culture, what's happening in family, people are like, well, I don't know if that's okay. I, I look, I could not stand myself if I were more well versed in politics than I am the things of eternity. Mm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to stand me. Like yeah. <laughs> I I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna learn all I can learn and absorb all I can absorb about what is most important to me. Mm-hmm. And it is the things of God. These are the things that have captured me. And so understand that I, and not that this makes me special, right? This is what we're each supposed to do. I agree with the scriptures. Mm. That doesn't make me special. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's like, what, what do you say? Well, we supposed to do that. right? right? <laughs> that's what we supposed to do. We're supposed yeah. to ag- agree with the scriptures. That's not, you don't get a, sc- a gold star for that. Right. Um, at the same time, it's important to me that people understand what it is that we're doing here. This hour that of your day, <laughs> which remember is also one hour of ours that you see or hear. <laughs> that's true. There is way more hours in our oh, days and life than this. Right. Um, this is one aspect of what we feel the Lord has called us to do. And so I think it, it's important for people to understand. Um, we don't think of this as church. <laughs>
2: no. Oh and I think, you know what I mean? that's, like, a, that's I, a very that important wouldn't. distinction, you know? Yeah. Um, because maybe I don't know how people may see it. They may see it like, man, I feel like I've gone to church, you know, when I've listened to your show. That's but we don't see this. We, we take uh, the, the local assembly that we yeah. attend. We put, that's high priority. You know, yep. we, and we believe that everyone listening should have a local assembly that you attend, you right. know. Um, and so I think that distinction uh, makes a world of difference when you see this as this is a ministry opportunity, we see this as a, a means of discipleship in the mission, you know, and, and radio. And so yeah. it, it's, it's not the same of, as being, you know, of the structure of the, of the house of God. And yeah. so I think, you know, we have to understand that.
1: And so what you're not going to see, and I just will tell people this cause I really want people to make an informed decision about what type of program and they feel they can consume. Right. And I don't yeah. ever want people yeah. to feel, um, disappointed or like, oh my goodness, I can't believe. So what you're not going to see, like if if there is a caller or if we have a guest on, I, I just want to tell you guys, and he is a man and I disagree with him or I believe that, you know, what he has said about the Bible is not supported in scripture. I'm going to tell him that without mincing words. Mm-hmm. And if you feel like, well, I can't believe a woman would talk to a man like that, this might not be the show for you. The Bible does not... um the, the Bible does not encourage weak, ignorant women. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, and right. the Bible calls for submission of women to their husbands. So just because someone is a man does not mean I'm supposed to receive everything that he says and say, Oh yes, sir. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, I don't see that in the Bible. You know, I, I don't, I don't, you know um, that's not in the <laughs> scriptures. Right. All right. I think we've I think we've covered all of that. Yeah. There may be a time that we go back and to this. It will just be triggered by the next caller. I'm saying and, and if people
2: have questions. You know, we do have a time that we open up the phone lines and you can ask your question, you know. Um, but, yeah, I think you've covered it. And I, I think it was clear and I think it was a question that was needed. Um, yeah. And I love the, the heart in which it was asked. I, I wasn't yeah, offended me too. at all. You know, no, neither I, was I. so I, so I think uh, the brother for as, asking that question.
1: I do, too. I appreciated the uh, humility, the gentleness, the care, uh, both for us and the word of God. Amen. And so I thought that was wonderful. So thank you, Brother Jason, for um, prompting the question and giving us the opportunity to explore this. We don't explore this on a regular basis publicly unless it's provoked. Uh, But thank you so much for the question. All right. Let's move on. Let's let's talk. Let's take a look at the political landscape because this is happening in real time. Yeah. And uh, the consequences are real, whatever they are. Right. The consequences (laughs) are real. Uh, joining us right now to talk a little bit about what's happening on the political landscape, uh, looking back at the Democrat National Convention, um, and then also looking forward to what could happen in this country if believers are not vigilant and not prayerful. Um, and then also, I'm, we're going to ask some questions about what's happening, just culturally speaking. Mm-hmm. You know, how how can the church continue to be vigilant? Uh, Reverend Dean Nelson is the executive director of Human Coalition Action, and he joins us today today to shed some uh, light and give some insight on what is going on with the Democrat party and maybe, and you know, it may be one of those things where people are like, you know, I don't understand why at this point no one understands what's going on with the Democrat party. But, you know, some people might be surprised to know that there are still people who think, you know, maybe in a 20 years ago type mindset Mm. of the Democrat party, they think. And and so we need to pull the curtain back on that. Uh, Reverend Nelson, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it.
0: It's so glad. I am so glad to be back with you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, two of my most favorite people. I appreciate always coming on your show. Man, you. you
1: know, Reverend Dean Nelson, you have been very active, and and I know, I know, um, you know, we I, I didn't really plan to start here, but <laughs> I, you've been hitting the streets like literally, like you've been, you know, you've been out <laughs> there, and um, I I've not really known you to like get in people's faces, Reverend Nelson, like, but. There's there's some things that are oh happening in our Lord. country that kind
2: comes... of <laughs> Man we we saw the video. Man we
1: Well, come on, just say it the way you'd say it. Well, we,
2: we seen, seen your vi- video. We seen your video. And uh,
1: <laughs> Wow, that was
0: you some know, dude with a mask. I don't know who that was.
1: <laughs> I just I just want to say kudos. You know, these these are the types of people that I'm like, man, I'm glad that we're all on the same side. Like that's yes. Like we, you know, we're not going to back down. Uh, maybe we can touch on that just a little bit. But last week, the Democrats had their uh, national convention and um, it is now official. Joe Biden is their nominee for uh, president and Kamala Harris is the vice president nominee, a vice presidential nominee. Um, <laughs> is it <laughs> is it fair to describe Kamala Harris um, as sort of like a walking contradiction? I mean, I, I would think that you would describe her as like the most ardent pro-abortion candidate to ever run for president or vice president um, in human history. Correct?
0: <laughs> that is absolutely correct. <laughs> uh, this two, this pair really represent the most pro-abortion tag team that our country has ever seen. And mm-hmm. what is so interesting to me is I listened to her remarks last week three mm-hmm. times. You will not hear the word abortion. You did not hear the word parenthood. The closest that she came was a small phrase that mentioned reproductive health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is that? <laughs> so we have a clear case where you have the most pro-abortion group now, messaging in a way, it wouldn't let you know that that's who they are at
1: all. Right.
2: Hmm. Right. Man, and it's it's a direct opposite of what I see, uh, I've see. i heard about and, and seen some clips at the uh, the Republican uh, convention where they had right. Abby, Abby Johnson.
1: That's right. You that's know, right. they
2: gave her a spot on <laughs> to speak. You know, you, that's right. you that's wouldn't right. see that, you know. And so that's that's in direct opposition to what they did at the we DNC. We see happening on the other side. Yeah.
1: You know, Reverend Nelson. Clear, clear
0: difference. Absolutely. I I tested with Abby earlier today. I loved it. She did a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't only that she mentioned the pro-life position, but she went in with the talking points that we've been sharing with people for Mm -hmm. a decade. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. is, that Margaret Sanger was racist, that she was a eugenicist, that she started... The organization, which is now Planned Parenthood, in New York City, where there are more black children that are boarded than born alive, mm. Abby went there and told it in her own story as a recipient of the Margaret Sanger Award. <laughs> mm.
2: Mm. Powerful. Man.
1: man, you know, that's one of those things. How is it that we have missed that even when um, Planned Parenthood a few months ago was trying to get on board with this sort of like, you know, cultural cleansing, right? We're in the midst of like a cultural flushing where everybody's trying to get rid of like the, the skeletons in their closet, so to speak. But to remove like the bust of Margaret Sanger or to try to distance yourself from Margaret Sanger, when the heart and the function of your organization is exactly what she wanted I mean, that that should I, I think that should upset especially African Americans.
0: Listen, I believe that now is the most appropriate time than ever to highlight the hypocrisy mm. of Planned Parenthood. You cannot have it both ways. You can't have your largest affiliate in New York City that says that you have participated in systemic racism and try to say that you're a friend of the black community. How is it that 300 mostly black and brown women at that Planned Parenthood affiliate that work there now and some that used to work there, if they say you participate in systematic racism and have done reproductive harm, I quote, that was what they stated, reproductive harm, if that's how you treat the people that work for you and, and that you pay, how would we think any different of how you would treat people that come into your clinic
1: and you. Mm-hmm.
0: I think that we have a huge opportunity to, 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 I hate to say strike a blow, but I mean, to really mm-hmm. highlight mm-hmm. what really is going on in our community. Abby did a fantastic job yesterday, and I believe that we need to highlight that. I mean, Kamala Harris, let's face it, she voted not just I mean, it's not just that she has a hundred percent record from Planned Parenthood, but literally she took it a step further in, in February and you know earlier this year by voting against the Born Alive Abortion Sur- Survivors Protection Act, mm. which was mm-hmm. a law that you guys know was intended to protect children who were born that might have been Mm -hmm. from a botched abortion she essentially would say no they need to be left over there to die so that is Mm -hmm, infanticide that is how far they have gone yeah and we're doing everything that we can with the initiatives at human coalition action to highlight that because black people all people need to know what they are really about
2: yeah
1: Man, I'm so glad you just highlighted that, though. And, and I'll tell you why, because there are some people who want to paint um, this this particular ticket as sort of like a moderate ticket. And, and I think that that is such a subjective you know, position, meaning, I guess, if you look at people who are like burning down neighborhoods and things like that, then, yeah, they're not that. But at the same time, (laughs) we are not talking about a moderate ticket, are we?
0: Without a doubt. I mean, we can go back and know that Joe Biden in the past once said that abortion, that that Roe v. Wade was a bad decision. He was a part of the time period when Democrats at least talked about safe and rare, along with being legal. But they are way past that. And he Mm -hmm. can't escape that he now even believes that we should do away with the Hyde Amendment because Mm -hmm. I believe the pro-abortion lobby has the Democrats on lockdown. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we need to make known to the three out of ten Democrats that say that they disagree with their party on this issue. You know, we've worked extensively with uh, the Church of God in Christ and Mm -hmm. other black denominations where now they, just at the end of last year, Um, passed unanimously a very strong pro-life resolution. I think Mm -hmm. that the more that we take the opportunity through what you guys are doing by giving us this platform to Mm -hmm. talk to Black Americans about where the Democrat Party is trying to take us, I'm believing that it's going to give pause. Last year, I did speak Uh, For Democrats for Life National Convention, Mm. we're working with them as much as we can, because this, for us, isn't really first a political issue. Mm -hmm. This is a Mm -hmm. moral issue. This is a human rights issue. That's right. And I, for one, want to be on the right side of history with God when it comes down to this issue in the great day. Mm.
1: Man, that's great. You know, to, to that point that you just made, you talk about like the Democrats for life. Um, what is it that if you had to kind of sum it up, and we got about a minute before we take this first or this second break, um, what is it that you imagine most Black Americans don't realize about the Democrat Party?
0: I think that many Black Americans are simply going about their day. They're not thinking about politics as much as we're thinking about it. I think generally speaking, And then it is where they get their information. I think that Mm -hmm. we have to break through in this arena because I believe that those on the left, the media outlets, and even some of the black media outlets, they do not want to communicate this issue. I mean, when we got the Church of God in Christ to pass that fantastic resolution, Mm -hmm. it was Mm cricket; Nobody would cover it. But when last week or two weeks ago, Church of God in Christ passed uh, a similar resolution on... Um, criminal justice reform, you know, everybody was trying to cover it. So we've mm-hmm. got to do a better job of using alternative media sources, I believe.
1: Let us grab the break. Reverend Dean Nelson, Executive Director of Human Coalition Action, joins us. We'll be right back.
2: In my brokenness,
1: you are close to me. In my weakness, in my strength. high up on the throne, you are God. You are God. You are God. God, alone. And My welcome back bone. to Aaron Lee Addison's On American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. I'm Miki.
2: And I'm Will, and that's Darius James. You are God alone.
1: And our guest in this segment is Reverend Dean Nelson, also Executive Director of Human Coalition Action. Uh, we are talking about the deception of the Democrat Party, and really the attempt here is to open eyes and to say, Man, at the very least, if we're moving the needle, let's have a conversation, right? Like, let's talk about mm-hmm. um, where the deception is and mm-hmm. what is it that probably is being kept from many voters. People will just yeah. vote the way that they've always voted and uh, unfortunately get the same results. Uh, and so we're, we're talking about that. What One of the things that I, I would like to kind of pivot to at, at this moment, if we could, uh, as we look at the Democrat Party and then you compare um, that party's. History, you compare the way that party operates, their seizing of a moment uh, really kind of revolves largely around division, (laughs) uh, just separating people. Um, That's not at all what the country needs right now, is it, Reverend Nelson?
0: Most definitely not. Um, Many of you, you both know I am a huge fan of Frederick Douglass and uh, Mm -hmm. the organization by his name. Uh, That's the type of voice and unifying. Symbol and figure, I believe America needs right now. Douglas once said, I will unite with anyone to do right and no one to do wrong. I believe Mm -hmm. that it is that type of vision that we need in our culture today, not the divisiveness that the Democrats have continued to push. And uh, Frederick Douglass remembered that as well. And during his time period, he also said, I am a black, dyed in the wool Republican and would never be a part of any other party. Except the party of Liberty as progress. Douglas understood the Democratic Party coming out of slavery was not mm-hmm. for the black man and I would argue that there are similar pieces to that today. Mm.
1: I would like for if if you can Reverend Nelson I would like for you to leave the um, Aaron the Addisons audience with almost sort of like a visual picture of what is at stake in our country um, as we approach this next big election. Um, of course, comparing it with what we already see happening. I mean, this this stuff is going on now, so some of it we don't even have to imagine, but let's just imagine um, that we do have Democrats in power. What kind of country are we living in at that point?
0: You know, for those who are devoted Christians, I think that we should be, you know, I don't advocate being fearful, but I think that there should be a healthy fear of what would happen, not only the moral issues of our day, from the sanctity of human life and strengthening uh, families, but mm-hmm. we would have an uh, an administration that would disregard uh, really the church and the voice of the church, and that mm-hmm. would try to, I believe, supplant uh, really the church with government. Uh, we've had, heard that statement, you know. Uh, we, we We trust in you know God, not in government, um, and I believe that the type of vision that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have for our country is one where the state is in control more, and they dictate to you what you should believe and what you can't believe. I think that those of us of good conscience, whether you are Christian, whether you are Jewish, whether of no faith at all. I believe, but if you believe in the fundamental principles that are inscribed in that First Amendment, I think that all of us should do everything that we can to stand up for the values that we believe in at the ballot box. And sadly, Mm -hmm. the Democratic Party is very different from uh, people who happen to be in the Democratic Party, particularly Black Americans who are Christians, who I believe uh, are getting a better picture of what's mm-hmm. really going on, but it takes voices like yours and mine to continue to let our people know, trusted voices within the community, to let people know, listen, you don't have to uh, abide by, you know, these principles. Have you seen the platform of the Democratic Party? Mm-hmm. Highlight those things because they're inconsistent yes. with most Christ- with, with, with Christians, with Christianity, and wholly inconsistent, I believe, with uh, traditional Black Americans.
1: Man, I know I said we're going (laughs) to we're going to let you go. But Reverend Nelson, I just want to drill down on that, because, listen, as a minister, right, as as someone who is charged with carrying the gospel forward, I believe that that should not be an uncomfortable conversation for Christians who are black to have with other professing Christians who are black. If you hold up the belief system right against the word of God, there is no question that it does not hold up against the word of God. So my question for you is, why do you think Christians who are black and believe the word of God to be uh, authoritative, why do we tend to shy away from bringing the political conversation to, okay, let's compare what each group believes and what that looks like in practice? Why do we shy away from that?
0: You know, I know that a lot of folks, ordinary folks just, You know, they want to live their lives. They want to go to work, you know, have a a nice house, you know, Mm -hmm. two and a half Mm -hmm. kids and a dog, you know. I mean, (laughs) but in reality, we're past that point. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about Martin Luther King Jr. when he wrote that letter from a Birmingham jail. He recognized that there there was an urgent moment that he had to challenge the church. And I believe that those of us who have ears to hear have to embrace that challenge mm-hmm. winsomely, lovingly, but very clearly articulating a message of righteousness and justice. And I believe that when we commit ourselves to doing that, God will demonstrate that He is on our side and that people will begin to respond in a favorable way to stand up for things like the sanctity of human life, to stand up mm. for things like... Uh, educational opportunity and choice for all of our people to stand up for things like strengthening the black family and the the you know the family unit, as opposed mm-hmm. to just allowing politicians to deceptively come in and run roughshod over our community. And I want to say, yes. I work and identify with some uh, Democrat leaders who are willing to take a stand, uh, like Katrina Jackson, who's mm-hmm. there in Louisiana. There are, yeah. there are others. I want to be able to get behind them. Matt Jackson, who is a Democrat legislator and a pastor in the, uh, the legislature in Georgia. I've, I've identified some of these people. They love God. They say, listen, I started out as a Democrat, mm-hmm. and if I switch parties, I'm likely to lose, but I'm willing <laughs> to stand up to my party for the values that I believe. Wow. Those are the type of examples that we need to work with and to give them a might. Just like Vernon John uh, John uh, Jones, just the other night yeah. uh, at the at the Republican National Convention.
1: Yeah, excellent.
2: Uh, Reverend Nelson, I have one other question from a listener who was asking about the Human Coalition's position on whether uh, if abortion is made a, a crime or not. She's asking, should those who get it be charged with with murder? Not retroactive, but like, what's the position of of, uh, of that as far as abortion being a crime?
0: That's a great question. So, you know, Human Coalition is in the service industry, so we are always serving women. So We have never supported, say, at least for women mm-hmm. who um, would participate with an abortion to be criminalized. Mm-hmm. Um, our emphasis has always been how we can serve women, how we can help them to make healthy choices. We mm-hmm. believe that the taking of innocent human life uh is wrong, but we've never advocated uh, at least from a legal standpoint that we should criminalize women who uh, participate in their own uh, in their own demise of their children. Okay. Mm,
1: yeah, you know, I think one of and, and to the point here, I think one of the things that the church is is really failing on is the ministry. That is necessary so that we are not like we have to like Mm. (laughs) I hate to say it this way, but but can we stop up the supply chain to Planned Parenthood? Like how do we encourage women so that women are not in positions where it ever enters their mind that their only recourse is that this pregnancy has to be terminated?
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: that's exactly right. And we engage with over 100,000 women, mostly black and Latino women uh, every year, uh, giving them hope and healing make that healthy decision for themselves and for their pre-born children. Very
1: awesome. good. Reverend Dean Nelson, Executive Director of Human Coalition Action, uh, hitting the pavement on the ground, <laughs> 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 putting in the work. <laughs> Glad I don't to have know who that math man was. I'm telling you. I mean, you you have some late-night appetizers with, uh, you know, some people. You think you know them, and then you see them in videos. You're like, I don't even know who the Reverend
0: is. What's going on? It it does come out every now and again. I I got my start preaching open air on college campuses. So a little bit of that came out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There you go.
1: Man. All right. (laughs) Now now we know. Uh, Wow. I didn't know that. Okay. No, that's great. Reverend Nelson, we appreciate you you, and we will have you back anytime. We want to make sure that people stay informed and equipped and that people are mobilized. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing in so many different areas of the culture. We appreciate
0: you. Uh, Thank you guys. Love you. Bless you. Continue to do the great work that you're doing.
1: All right. All right, brother. We love you too. Bye-bye now. Listen, it's always good to talk <laughs> with uh Reverend Nelson. I think the last time that we had a conversation with him in person mm-hmm. and I, only, I I I kind of measure things by like the kid that we were on. <laughs> I think we <laughs> I think we were expecting kid number 4. Okay. And so I remember the three of us sitting around having it was like late night um appetizers yeah. f- for my benefit. Really. Um, <laughs> I think y'all would have been OK, but I well, think I was just like
2: Chicago or somewhere. We were somewhere. somewhere yeah. Who knows? I don't know.
1: But I, I remember there being cheese triangles, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> it's a shame. But that's how I put it all together. Um No, I really do appreciate Reverend Nelson because yeah, he has yeah. a vision and the Lord, you know, is using him to do incredible work Amen. across different areas of our culture. And really yeah. the fight that we're in. Well, as you know, is a fight on so many different fronts. Yeah. Uh, in the time that we have left, mm-hmm. I would like to uh, bring in this story that I think kind of paints a picture of where our culture is, even though um, Iowa State University, you know, corrected this professor. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're familiar with this story of our listeners will be familiar with this story. But um, Iowa State University had a professor that put out a syllabus that basically told its students uh, who were going to be and we don't know who the professor is. Right. So. I will say they, even though it's right to say his or her, okay? But (laughs) maybe, you know what? I'm going to say his or her. (laughs) (laughs) Just to be safe. (laughs) I take it back. Uh, Here's the story here. A professor at Iowa State University uh, came under fire for threatening to discipline students who submit projects or papers opposing abortion, Mm -hmm. the Black Lives Matter movement, or same-sex marriage. The threat was made in the professor's English 250 syllabus, and I was trying to think back Uh, to my university days, isn't that like sophomore level? I think I want to say that second year, right? I mean, I guess second semester, second year, something like that. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how the numbering system goes anymore. But the threat was made in the professor's English 250 syllabus, Mm. which was posted online and released by the Young America's Foundation Uh, Earlier this week, the conservative group said that a whistleblower tipped them off about the threat. In the syllabus, the professor said the course's goal is to help students develop skills in written, oral, visual, and electronic communication. Mm -hmm. But wait. (laughs) The kind of skills we say are skills. Right? You can write Mm -hmm. well Mm -hmm. if you write about this. Mm -hmm. all right? It included a giant warning for students, and this was the warning, quote, any instances of Othering that you participate in intentionally, in parenthetical citation here racism, <laughs> sexism, ableism, homophobia, saurophobia, transphobia, wow. classism, mocking of mental health issues, body shaming, etc. In class, any of this that you pr- participate in mm-hmm. uh, would be grounds for dismissal from the classroom. Now, here is what I found this interesting is college, about right? this. This, is, this university is college.
2: Where you should be able to express words, <laughs> what you're feeling, what you want to write about. So that he's saying, uh, she is saying you can't write about uh, in opposition this. to to the, these things. That's what he's, you
1: in, in other words, man. if you come to this class thinking, you will be dismissed. Thinking,
2: right, right. You can't have come, your own mind. Like
1: in New Orleans, we would say, come here thinking if you want. <laughs> right? Like, come to this class thinking and you will be dismissed but mm. listen the syllabus went on quote the same goes for any paper projects you cannot choose any topic that takes at its base that one side doesn't deserve the same basic human rights as you do now think about that and mm-hmm. then uh, he or she said i e no arguments against gay marriage abortion black lives matter ex- etc i take this seriously But that's really ironic, right? That you would say you cannot do a project or write a paper Mm -hmm. that takes at its base that one side doesn't deserve the same basic human rights as you do. Mm -hmm. And so but but you cannot write against abortion.
2: You can write for it all you want.
1: But think about right. And so but don't those babies deserve basic human rights? Like isn't if you take a position against abortion, Aren't you doing what the syllabus instructs? That you're saying these people deserve the same basic human rights as I nah, do. You
2: know they don't see it that way.
1: <laughs> Correct. <laughs> you That's can come here thinking it. if you want. Right. Come <laughs> here thinking you're going to leave dumb. You can you can <laughs> walk over here. You're limping back. Come here thinking you're going to leave dumb. Yeah. It's but crazy. let me tell you, even though Iowa Iowa State University um, corrected this professor and they had to change the syllabus. I think it's clear that this is the heart that is pervasive across college campuses all across this country.
2: Yep, I agree. This
1: This is what we have to be on guard. We're sending our kids into the lion's den here. All right, we're out of time for today. Thank you for listening to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then.
2: God bless.